Hi, we are in a new conversation in the History and Politics podcast, and we have uh, a great guest. We have Jis uh, uh, Walker, who is the book editor uh, at Recent Magazine and the author of United States of Paranoia. And, and we are going to talk uh, about a lot of things that are happening now, like uh, uh, conspiracy theories. And, and, and so, hi, Jis. How are you doing? Oh, um Not fantastic this evening, but you don't need me to get into that. Yeah. <laughs> I will be a pro. Oh, no, I'm fine. Um, and I'm happy to be here. It, it's been a few years since we last talked. Yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been a while. It's, it's, it's always great to have an opportunity to talk with you. Yeah, so I, I, was, uh, I, I was remembering, I, I, I think I wrote a, a review in Spanish of your book, and I call it, I, I think... Uh, I don't remember exactly if it was the review or then the interview that I, I did it in Spanish. It was anarchy, state, and, and paranoia, and in reference to 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 <laughs> to Robert Nozick and 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 kind of uh, um, and 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 the issue of political conspiracies. But I think it's it's really interesting because like the issue with particularly we can um, which I initially thought that this was going to be a very American thing. Uh, but now it has, you know, moved overseas to to Germany, to to Finland, uh, to to Netherlands, to to very different countries, uh, to Brazil. So so it's it's becoming kind of a, a very very kind of extensive network that that it works in in its own way. Uh, it, it has very strange links, uh, and and there are other groups like the Bugalus who apparently had. At least some of them links with Hamas of all places. They, um, they, they didn't have links with Hamas. There was an an entrapment scheme where a couple of them thought they were forging links with Hamas, but they were actually forging links with un, undercover agents of the U.S. government. Oh, and okay. Actually, actually, Hamas put out a statement saying, "Why would we do this? Don't drag us into this." Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that that's. Well, I mean, it's 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 everything so so wild. So so, can you explain what what is Kienon or, or or try to 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 have to for listeners to have any kind of vague idea at least of what it is or what what it stands for? Well, basically, QAnon um, sprang from there was in 2017. There started being different people um, posting as anons. Um, like I don't remember, like Pentagon anon. I don't think that was one of them. I'm uh, like a top secret clearance anon. And and uh, and amid these, this was sort of like just people claiming to be insiders, dropping knowledge, uh, dropping tidbits from behind the scenes. Um, and uh, online, uh, someone started posting as, as QAnon, Q being a reference to uh, Q clearance, which is one of the you know, very high um, uh, secrecy clearances uh, in the U.S. government. Um, and he posted uh, a whole I mean, a, a set of very specific um, predictions or, or, or just uh, statements about what was going to happen in terms of um, Prominent Democrats and other being others being arrested um, for their role in a big child trafficking ring, um, and the uh, appointed dates came by, and this did not happen. Um, but he uh, continued to drop uh, these these breadcrumbs, as they call them, which got 
less specific about what was going to happen and more just sort of gnomic and letting people read whatever meaning they wanted to to into it. And so this whole sort of community, uh, a QAnon community sort of uh, formed around uh, the clues to this uh, person or persons operating under the name Q uh, were were sharing. And this community, and, and, you know, some of them are true believers and some of them are almost certainly just pranksters or trolls. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure that a number of them are kind of in that as if state where they're just sort of thinking, well, what, maybe it's true. Wouldn't it be interesting? But they came up with this whole elaborate sprawling mythology, um, which has changed shape many times, but it has included all sorts of bizarre notions like John F. Kennedy Jr. is still alive. For a while, Robert, I mean, uh, Donald Trump and um, uh, and and um, uh, Mueller, uh, the the uh, special counsel, were secretly um, working together uh, to root out the vast uh, child trafficking ring. Uh, there was stuff about, you know, uh, prominent Democrats and Hollywood uh, people being you know, pedophiles and and uh, cannibals and so on. And, and it, it got it, it got steadily more bizarre. Um, and it also attracted, uh, and it kept absorbing, I should say, uh, elements of other conspiracy theories, because that was sort of the way, with like so little glue at the center and so much activity being done by these people who were just freely speculating, um, if, if, if they, people just grabbed all sorts of other uh, conspiracy ideas that had been floating around for years, in addition to coming up with these new ones. Um, and, you know, it, it, people have compared it somewhat productively you know to a religion some people have compared it somewhat productively to an alternate reality game a lot of people compare it to a cult which i don't think is a very good comparison um although i kind of like uh, what my colleague peter suderman said he called it like a a distributed uh, do-it-yourself cult or something like that uh, i don't remember the exact phrase um but it, it it's 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 kind of hard to put your finger on exactly what it is because it keeps changing shape um, and the press has been aware of it for a while, and it used to be initially it was just sort of the whoa, check out this weird belief system that's emerging online. Then there became sort of a bit more frightened coverage because uh, some Q people who are Q fans who had kind of psychological problems committed acts of violence. Um, there was an FBI report about conspiracy theorists, which uh, talked about just in general what happens when. Um, people who believe strongly in conspiracy theories act on those beliefs um, and, you know, and, and, and do something violent uh, to try to stop the conspirators. Um, and they said that, you know, this will probably happen again in the future. So it, it's a terror threat to keep an eye on. And this got sort of mistranslated in a lot of articles to QAnon because some but not all of the examples they gave involved uh, Q fans. This kind of got this got mistranslated in a lot of articles into the FBI has identified QAnon, this a, a, a group as a uh, as a des- officially designated uh, terror threat, which is not what happened. Um, and because there's also been a lot of these guys, they're really into Donald Trump, um, to the extent that they're political, which most of them are, um, Donald Trump has sometimes retweeted stuff from QAnon account, uh, um, accounts. And so there's recently this over, especially over the past summer, um, been a lot of coverage that's been, you know, uh, somewhat fretful about, um, how the QAnon phenomenon and the Trump phenomenon are intersecting, um, whether I, there's now a, um, 
a person who had been a QAnon believer. She has now uh, disclaimed it, although, but she's clearly prone to believing weird things um, in Georgia, who got the Republican nomination and is almost certainly going to be in Congress. There are some other people running for office um, uh, who have like QAnon connections, um, almost all of whom are in races, either that are either low level or they're in sacrificial lamb um, spots where, you know, they're running, a, they got the Republican nomination in a, in a race where the Republican always loses. There's one person running in Colorado who's uh, likely to win, who has sort of played footsie with it. They, she didn't say that she believed in it, but in an interview, she said that um, she wishes it, it were true. She hopes it's true. Um, so there's going to be one or two people with sort of QAnon backgrounds coming to Washington. There's been all this extra attention. And there's been a lot of really sloppy coverage, too, where um, people have looked at the ideas that where people have overestimated how big QAnon is, is basically because QAnon has drawn on so many um, different conspiracy ideas that have been floating around for a long time. You're starting to see coverage that then looks at people who are into these ideas that QAnon, uh, many of which are very kooky ideas in themselves, but um, people who have uh, gotten into these other ideas that QAnon uh, absorbed and then assumes that these people are themselves uh, embracing QAnon. So um, uh, there was a New York Times article that called QAnon the root, that was the word they used, the root of the idea that, quote, people you haven't heard of control Joe Biden which, you know, the idea that people you haven't heard of control a prominent politician. That's one of those oldest conspiracy ideas around. Uh, another New York Times piece um, said that they treated uh, birther and coronavirus and Soros theories as being distinctly QAnon-ish. I think they used the phrase, I don't have the article in front of me, but I think they used the phrase cherry picking. So that they were suggesting that people who are talking about these things are cherry-picking elements of Q rather than talking about things that emerge independently of Q and other than the coronavirus things previous to Q. Um, there was a poll that had really high estimates of how many people believe in QAnon, but which also was really poorly phrased. So it sounded like QAnon was just, quote, a, a conspiracy among deep state elites. So someone who had vaguely heard of QAnon didn't know what it was, but they'd seen it in the news, and they had heard of the, you know, these ideas about the deep state might say yes to that without realizing they were also signing on to JFK Jr. being alive um, and Mueller secretly working with Trump and Hillary Clinton being a cannibal and so on. Um, and then recently, because, I mean, one of the big sources for QAnon and the QAnon uh, belief system and subculture is these um, very mainstream fears of child trafficking conspiracies that have been all over the place um, uh, for the last you know, decade. Um, uh, a little longer, but I mean, you know, building over time. Um, and in many ways, what happened with QAnon um, is they, and, and with other conspiracy theories like um, Pizzagate, which QAnon sort of drew on, is they took the idea of these uh, sex trafficking conspiracies. And they also took the more specific idea, which has sort of been around in fringe circles going back at least as far as the 80s, of there being secret ca uh, cabals of pedophiles, uh, it, you know, who are running the country or infiltrating the, the government. And they just sort of uh, then managed to rope in a whole bunch of enemies uh, of, of, of the Trump people, you know, like, you know, Hillary Clinton and so on, that could get the starring roles. So, um, but now people are seeing these older child trafficking fears and they're treating all of them as QAnon. So somebody who, uh, like for uh, Tulsi Gabbard a week or two ago, 
uh, put out a tweet that had talked about child trafficking and had a bad statistic. I mean, one of these sort of statistics that floats around and when you dig into it, it's not accurate, um, but it, it ex greatly exaggerated how much um, child sex trafficking there is. And I saw someone online saying, oh, Tulsi Gabbard has gone QAnon. So no, QAnon has absorbed this idea that Tulsi Gabbard had embraced that had been around for longer. So this sort of thing has kind of made, I, I would not want to say that the fears of QAnon are as bad as the fears that are within QAnon, because, you know, again, it's much weirder, stranger, and often, frankly, stupider, um, the stories that are being circulated in the QAnon space. But it's much more, um, it's, it's, it's certainly much more um, widespread to have an exaggerated fear of, of what uh, QAnon is and how big it is. It's, and especially, and, and I'll, I'll finish after I make this point, um, I'm sorry, I've gone all over the place in response to your question. Um, but there, there's, you will have an article that will, at one point in the article, start bringing in these other conspiracy ideas that aren't distinctly part of QAnon, even if some QAnon folks have drawn it into their personal mythologies. And that same article will talk about QAnon as a violent threat um, and sort of suggest that there's... Um, you know that this is a, like a, a terrorist cult. Well, that that's really kind of iffy there because then you might give people the impression um, that someone who's just sharing, um, you know, a paranoid Facebook meme that doesn't even mention QAnon is a potential terrorist murderer, and that that's not the case, and that's not a useful way uh, to uh, to think about this stuff. Well, that's certainly a, 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 the most comprehensive overview I have here of QAnon, you know, <laughs> in, 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 I guess, in my entire life. Because sometimes it, it has been presented, as, 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 as you mentioned, as many things, but not in, in, a, in a coherent way, even like the people that complain about its its incoherence presented in an even more incoherent way that, that, that the QAnon you know, people are, are expressing their ideas. So... Um, I think it's it's interesting because I I remember uh, someone I, I know was saying that a, a lot of these conspiracies sound like the Larouches, which are in their own way a very kind of weird political development in the United States that, that is weird and has its own kind of strange story. And went global now, as well, yeah. And global as well. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's true. And global as well. Even if, I guess, uh, yeah. Global as well. That's 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 true. Um, it, other thing I was going to say is, is I just uh, have been reading. A, a, I finished to read a, an article. I was a translation of an, an article about uh, of Foucault talking about the Iranian Revolution, uh, uh, political spirituality and the subject of history. And and it's very interesting because, it, like, it was uh, recently translated, so it, it was uh, unpublished and, and it... Yeah, you, you and said it, that to me tonight. I'm looking forward to reading that. Yeah, it's 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 pretty interesting, and I I, I suggest the people to, to, to look for it. It's it's online, so you could read it. And so it it's basically argues that, you know, uh, all politics 
of political movements in many ways are spiritual and but but by spiritual he doesn't mean like religious like many times it's, it's like there is a confluence in, in that he argues that religions many times have the spiritual components but the spiritual component is the transformation so these people are transformed in some way and i was thinking in in, in a man in germany then when he was asked about why he's is there he was saying that that uh, that uh, Trump is an angel sent sent to to fight the, s- Satan, and it was like it sounded like the most ridiculous thing I have ever heard. But that man was saying that with so much confidence that I don't think he was bullshitting. He wasn't laughing. He was with a lot of seriousness say, say, in that statement. Yeah, and I, I, I think one useful thing about thinking of it as a religion, and most people who have used the religion comparison are not gesturing in this direction. But if you think about religions, and I don't mean your religion, whoever you are out there listening to this, just all of the other ones, all the ones you don't believe in, um, you will say, my goodness, there are millions of people out there who believe things that strike me as deeply strange and utterly alien. Um, And again, I mean, whatever your belief system is, I guarantee you there are millions of people on this planet, if not billions, who believe things that are utterly different from it um, that strike you as bizarre. And furthermore, there will be some portion of those people um, who will act on those religious beliefs in ways that are um, creepy, if not violent. You know, they're the person who believes that God told him to kill someone and that sort of thing. Um, and it's generally good to be able to recognize that there are people who do that, that they're going to be a part of different belief systems. Um, That does not mean that the belief system is the reason they're doing that. There are some belief systems that (laughs) move inexorably in that direction, but typically uh, most of them don't. Um, And also just the fact that someone believes something really weird and, and alien to you in the political realm, that, that, that shouldn't be, so alarming if you realize there are lots of people who believe things that are utterly alien to you in, in, in other realms. Um, in the case of like the sort of com- idea about QAnon and violence, whether um, because people can say, you know, pretty compellingly, if you're believing that um, large swaths of the country are in, you know, enthralled to elites who are involved in, you know, cannibalism and pedophilia and murder and, you know, child abuse, everything, you know, it, it's a, um, that that that's something that can rile people up uh, to uh, to act violently against others. The flip side is is that the, the thrust of the QAnon um, story has always been that Trump is in control. I think that this is a big part of its appeal for a lot of people is the idea that although it may look like Trump is this weak and constantly stymied leader um, who's uh, you know can barely get anything passed for Congress um, and, you know, constantly having to, to, um, to uh, reverse himself on different initiatives Um, in secret. He's this highly competent commander who's leading um, a very successful campaign against child abuse. Um, You can see why that would be appealing to someone who likes Trump and doesn't really like the way things look coming as they're coming out of, of, uh, of Washington. Um, this is not a story that tells that that sort of primes people to go out and be violent. It's a story that primes people to sit back and enjoy the show when the Trumpics machina finally comes. 
Now, I can totally understand the fear that, you know, all these stories mutate um, just as, you know, QAnon absorbed older stories. QAnon will be absorbed by future conspiracy stories. And it could well be that if Trump loses in November, which is may or may not happen, but it's more likely than not that he's going to lose. That's how it looks right now. Um, And he steps down, you know, maybe people who were previously primed to sort of sit back and watch the storm happen without lifting a finger might then decide they know they need to get out and actively be a part of this. Um, So I'm not saying it's, it's utterly um, ridiculous to worry about people turning violent, but the fact is the people who have turned violent Almost always they turn out to have severe psychological problems. It's not clear at all that the, it, whether these are people who their desire to be violent was activated by QAnon or whether they were going to be violent against someone and QAnon gave them simply gave them the direction they took. Um, gave them, sorry, well, I mean, there's some... This guy was going to kill somebody in 2020 or try to. And QAnon helped him pick his victim. That's not something that's good. I'm not trying to make make it sound like any of that is good. It's just that it's very, um, it, it, it's it's a different sort of phenomenon than is usually discussed. Actually, the most interesting case as far as QAnon violence goes is there is a woman who lost custody of her child. And I don't remember offhand if it was a son or daughter, um, but she wanted to get this child back. And she worked up this whole theory that the child was being abused and it was linked into the QAnon conspiracy and so on. And she got some fellow QAnon people um, to help her with their kidnapping plot. Now, it is not at all unusual for someone who's lost custody of her child um, to plot a kidnapping. Um, And I find it, I mean, that happens, I I mean, that's... A lot of kidnappings are like that. You know, they're custodial disputes. And it's very easy to imagine, given what happened, that this woman, whether or not she encountered QAnon, would have done, um, would have tried to do uh, what she ended up trying to do. What QAnon did do was it let her tap into a community of people who are willing to help her, who probably would not have been willing to help her um, if she had simply just kind of like, I want to get my my kid back because I'm, I'm the mom. Um, so that's an interesting angle, again, as far as the QAnon effect. Not a healthy effect at all, but not the kind of apocalyptic effect that's, uh, that's in a, But, you know, it's the last couple months before an election, and everything sounds apocalyptic then. Uh, there's this apocalyptic edge to uh, all these stories. This has been the case with um, pretty much every presidential election of the 21st century, and it's only intensified. Um, by the pandemic and um, the the police uh, the policing protests and the general pro and anti Trump madness that's been storming around the White House for the last four years. Yeah, so I was going to talk to you about the other side, like the the issue that that now like Trump is declaring anarchist jurisdiction. Everyone is yeah. talking about anarchists. So, so how do you do you see that? Which is a very kind of a, of curious development. Yeah. So, just uh, for anyone listening who is not in the area of Seattle or Portland or New York City, these are not actually anarchist jurisdictions. Um, the people there do not get to all tear, tear up their um, tear up their. Uh, parking tickets now. Um, they still have lots of laws, uh, too many laws. Um, so that it's although it was funny, the um, that this um, this Trump announcement happened to coincide uh, with. I mean, it came like a day or two after 
um, Mayor Bill de Blasio in New York announced that he and a bunch of other folks would be taking a furlough for a week to save money uh, for the uh, for because the, the city's you know having trouble paying its bills. So that was I, I think well those go together you know no mayor and um, anarchist jurisdiction. But yeah, I mean this is kind of the um, the fear of Antifa um, and that that's a, you know it, it, it's a there's a whole lot of this sort of mutual fears right now of, you know, the right fearing the violent wing of the left, uh, the, the left fearing the violent wing of the right, um, both of them um, tending often to exaggerate how much um, there is. Uh, I mean, like, I mean, like a lot of the people on the right talking about the Boogaloo movement um, are sound like people on the and people on the left talking about the Boogaloo movement sound like people on the right talking about Antifa. Um and, and of course, people in the center who are afraid of both. I, I think it's hilarious. The, um, these attempts, uh, as sort of a campaign ploy, uh, Republicans have been trying to suggest that Biden is in bed, uh, with, you know, the rioters in Portland and Kenosha and with the Antifa movement. Um, and it's sort of suggesting that if Biden were, were president, he would just let these folks run rampant. I, I think if you want to come up with like, um, the most likely bad scenario uh, involving Biden and street violence, um, if Biden becomes president, um, it's not that Biden will have, you know, tell people, hey, goon squads go wild in some obscure city in Wisconsin. It's that Biden will say gravely, well, I think we need to crack down on the, uh, the violence of the far left and far right alike. And, I've, and this is the uh, legislative package that I want to see passed. And when you look closer, um, there's all sorts of things in there that have an impact beyond violent folks, um, whether in terms of surveillance or restrictions on the rights of assembly, restrictions on the right to bear arms. You can imagine all sorts of things to kick it uh, slipped in there. Um, and that's going to be, you know, if, if this is still a live issue next spring and if Joe Biden is president, I think that's much more likely to be what happens. Um, it, you know, they'll talk about um, boogaloo violence. They'll talk about. And, and alleged boogaloo violence. They'll talk about white supremacists. They'll talk about these sort of pop-up militias, um, which aren't really ideological. In fact, you know, in some cases, they're not even predominantly white. But they've kind of got in. Um, they're not militias, even. I mean, people are calling them that, but it's just sort of spontaneous neighborhood patrols. Um, but they get conflated a lot with the idea in the press coverage the ideological militias. They don't when it's non-white. Like Gustavo Ariano did a great piece in the LA Times about um, you know, these Hispanic neighborhoods. Um, and I don't remember if it was actually in Los Angeles or near it. Um, who were sort of out there um, during the protests when there was the first sort of shift from protest to rioting and the general sentiment going, you know, we support uh, the movement, but, you know, don't mess with our stuff. I don't, you know, don't set, don't set anything on fire or break any windows in our neighborhood. Um, and it sounded very much like um, some of the folks uh, who, who were, you know, patrolling um, in Kenosha, who were like native to Kenosha, who were not outsiders who had descended on Kenosha. Um, but uh, because uh, the ones in Kenosha were, you know, not predominantly uh, people of color, um, they, it was uh, often construed as being something more like these. Um, uh, far right groups to go around and camouflage. Uh, I've, I've kind of, I've, 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 I've probably, I must have forgot, uh, gone off the, um, 
uh, away from what you were asking because I've forgotten what your question is. So I have to apologize. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, it, like that. It, it's true. I mean, I think it's it's very curious. Like uh, I feel that you know, um, anarchism is always a, a a very broad term, and I was uh, the, I mentioned this in a in a previous conversation with 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 Corey Massimo, which is a. Uh, a, a, a anarchist, but a libertarian anarchist. No, so, as a, a libertarian anarchist, is friend, a friend of the free market. But many, uh, many uh, anarchists, not necessarily, are, are are that friendly to the free market. But in Peru, something interesting happened. Like one of the of the days when when they were trying to restrict uh, street selling, which in Peru is quite quite common for because of the pandemic. Uh, a, a group of anarcha feminists were on the streets, uh, uh, you know, protesting the, the restrictions against the street selling, selling the, 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 the because a lot of street sellers are women. That women have the rights to, to to feed their families and, and things like that. And and that shows, you know, that that those visions that sometimes are are very like clear cut of who is an anarchist is is is, is very like. Very lousy because a lot of I, I saw. I remember one day before uh, the the protest in Minneapolis said, "Why anarchists please to back off?" And I remember, like I remember, there is a, an Argentinian um, historian who is currently working in in, his, in her doctoral thesis about uh, about anarchism in 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 Peru and Bolivia, particularly in the rural regions. And and he was saying, you know, that this indigenous anarchist something that that she was surprised when 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 she started like uh, researching the this project were really interested in liberal ideas, and it, so there are there were anarchists they didn't believe in the state but they believe in, in the kind of of, of more uh, in some way they were kind of. Uh, a, 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 bit, a very different subset of, of, of anarchists that in other places. So they they were friends friendly to the market to some degree. They, so it was like it, it, I think it's very challenging. Like like the idea that that anarchists are are, are one thing. I think anarchists are many things, and there is yeah. A, a yeah yeah. Although I mean. Just the phrase "anarchist jurisdictions." That's like a Zen Cohen, you know. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, but yes, I mean, obviously, a lot of the people who are out in the street um, with Antifa, uh, and and actually even not with Antifa, um, you know, identify as anarchists. Um, and, uh, and for that matter, um, some of the Boogaloo. There's there's some anarcho-capitalist types um, who are uh, part of the Boogaloo movement. Uh, and I say Boogaloo movement, there's multiple movements there. It's bizarre because it's sort of a movement that grew out of a meme, but there's really at least two movements because there is this far right racist, um, accelerationist, white supremacist um, set of people who want a race war. That's their thing. And then there are these um, extreme libertarian Boogalooers um, whose big idea is uh, you know, being anti-police and pro uh, right to bear arms. Um, who are very sympathetic to Black Lives Matter, um, in many cases have spoken, you know, supportively of anti-racist movements, uh, gay liberation, in some cases trans liberation movements, um, and, and have shown up and like marched alongside BLM and Antifa. And they sort of come across as like ANCAP Antifa. Um, so, and it gets very, um, and when you add that to things like those pop-up groups I mentioned earlier that don't have a, a, a strong ideological identity at all, um, it, it, it's 
everything becomes very, it's almost fractal, you know, I mean, there's so many different uh, factions and people, different groups that overlap and dislike each other. And and in the case of the Boogalooers, dislike each other, but have the same name because they both like these memes about the Boogaloo um, or some of the same memes. Uh, And so there's, uh, it's much more than the kind of two sides heading for a civil war kind of narrative that comes across in much of the coverage um and and, and that's um you know and then and then when it spreads to other countries uh, it just takes on i mean you mentioned before like the uh, or QAnon popping up in other countries it, it, it's uh you know germany and and, and elsewhere um it, it just becomes um it, it, it's like a sort of constant speciation that's happening you know um and and it, it's it's very hard to contain with familiar categories yeah i mean it's 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 true i there is a, a book in spanish about the presence of individualist anarchists in, in the fighting against fascism in in the spanish civil war and and it's very curious because like a lot of people link individualist anarchists with the right although uh, for different reasons, like some of these currents generally are on the left. Uh, um, even if some... sort, there's different sorts of individualists too. You know, I mean, yeah. there's like the illegalists are probably going to be classified, or more likely to be classified on the left, or just not to fit in left and right. Um, the ones who call themselves anarcho-capitalists more likely to be uh, put on the right, although in some cases not, um, because there's a kind. I mean. Rothbard was calling himself an anarcho-capitalist during his new left phase. You know, mutualists tend to be on the left, but I've seen um, some mutualist economics being, uh, uh, I've seen people who are basically fascists trying to co-opt it. So again, it gets very, uh, very complicated. Uh, oh, it's, 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 I think we have deal with, with a lot of, of subjects, which, uh, I hope that listeners could could get at least a, a glimpse of, uh, on what 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 is happening because it's so much happening that I don't think like two three four hours could could deal with with so much and and in, as you mentioned in in some countries like the alliance that Kieran is doing are very like unexpected um, and and yeah it's it it's all becoming a, a much more uh, strange place politically. Um, the impact of, of COVID-19 has also generated a lot of conspiracies that can fuel even more this, this kind of, of, of conspiracy mindset. Um, so uh, before we end, Jeez, uh, where do, do people can follow your work? Um, oh, um, well, I, I write for Reason Magazine. Um, uh, most of my articles... Um, appear in reason though i do you know pop up in other places as well so if you go to reason.com you can find find me there um you can go to me on twitter where i tweet as not jesse walker n-o-t-j-e-s-s-e-w-a-l-k-e-r um and yeah i've written a couple of books always glad for people to pick those up um the united states of paranoia um came out came out in 2013 and it's a history of American conspiracy folklore, conspiracy stories, um, both you know the conspiracy theories that people believed, and also the sort of pop culture representations, like movies and so on. And then back in 2001, I wrote Rebels on the Air, which is um, a history of American radio with a special focus on 
more experimental and eclectic and eccentric and uh, dissident side of broadcasting, including you know, pirate broadcasters who went on the air without a license. Um, so those are both out there, and um, and I'm on uh, I'm on the Twitter and at Reason. Yeah. So so thanks, Jis, for for being here. It has been great talking to you. Well, thank you very much.